you stop marketing. Mm -hmm. I focus primarily on marketing and negotiation. If you okay. don't negotiate, if you give somebody what they want right out of the gate, there's no security in that deal. They'll walk away. He said, $80,000. <laughs> no, remember, ding, it's ding, 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 360. Yeah. Do I need to do anything? No, it's a no. deal as it is. Yeah. Just, okay, quit. That deal will go awry and I'll lose it. <laughs> it's a great negotiation technique, getting deals and making deals. Hey guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for prepping and getting ready to listen to this next episode of the We Love Equity Show. I have my very special guest, Tom Z, that's going to be on today, and we're going to be focusing on negotiations, but we're going to walk you pretty much through every step of the process of a real estate transaction on the wholesale side, right? So if you guys are wholesalers and you're looking, you know, to make sure you got all of the answers to solidify what you're doing as far as an aspiring wholesaler, you really need to listen to this episode. Tom Z has been in real estate for over 20 years. So you got his 20 years plus my, you know, 12 to 13 years experience. So you have 33 years of experience on this one podcast going over everything. So listen, Get everything you need ready. That way you could take good notes. All right. So, and also we're, we have our wait list going for the DFC, the Deal Finders Club. You can go to azdfc.com right now. Join the wait list. Trust me, it's filling up fast because we have not only are we going to be talking about negotiations, signing the contract, talking with sellers, showing you our platform, what we do, but we also have a two weeks bonus on creative financing, how to do sub two, how to do wraps, how to do seller finance deals. So you'll get all of that information by being a member of the Deal Finders Club. So go there right now, join the wait list, azdfc.com. We'll love to see you in the group. But for now, let's jump right into this episode. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. The We Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Marcus Maloney, and I am really glad today to be with you all today because I have a very special guest. His name is Tom Z, and he is we're very familiar with each other throughout the RIA community and the RIA universe. And he has always taught some excellent classes and has always had some excellent content. So I want to bring that to you all on today. So what I want you to do 
If you're listening to this podcast in your car or if you're in an airplane or whatever, just make sure you have some dedicated time for you to stop, focus, listen, and then go back, take notes so you can put some of the things that we're going to talk about into action today. Because you know my main thing is education without implementation is just information. We don't want you to leave with just information, but we want you to take action on the education that Tom is going to share today. So without any further delay, Tom, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So for those who do not know you, Tom, kind of give us the introduction, who you are, how long you've been in real estate and what you do in real estate. Yeah, boy, I've been in real estate 20 plus, let's say 22 plus years now. Time flies by. So uh, you're not a novice, right? Not, no, a, not, not an overnight success. Not a novice anymore. <laughs> like not to think of myself as too old, but hey, perspective. And I'll tell you from a what I would consider an exceptionally rough start to a rough start where things don't go your way. Nothing goes right. You're not making any money. You doubt anything's going to happen. And your friends all look at you like you're out of your freaking mind. Two, friends being jealous, like, oh, wow, it must be nice to travel when you want. It must be nice to not have to go to work. It must be nice not to uh, answer to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. the answer is, yeah, it is. But that's because I went through that tough time at the beginning and, and fought it out. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Tom, because a lot of people nowadays, they, it's we're in a microwave society, right? Everything is instant. <laughs> you go from broke to a millionaire and 30 days, right? That's what everybody pitched. So going through those tough times that you talked about, what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Because man, I know when I went through those tough times, there was a lot of psychological things that I had to overcome. Just just some esteem issues because you're seeing everybody on Facebook and Instagram saying what they're doing. And it's like, okay, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm not seeing any success. You know, am I doing something wrong? How did you handle those tough times. Why doesn't it work for me? Yep, yep, you got it. <laughs> well, you know, I'll say this two ways, Marcus. 20 plus years ago, a lot of that nonsense didn't exist, right? That you weren't staring at. You could look at other people because you heard their stories, but it wasn't thrown in your face constantly by apps and social media because that hadn't come into existence yet, which was maybe a, a kinder, gentler, better place back, <laughs> back then, honestly. Yeah, you still dealt with it, right? You still saw other people being successful and think, why not me? And mm-hmm. I deal with that with, with people that come to me for help. But, you know, it's almost every single time. The reason when I ask somebody, that, oh, it hasn't happened for me yet. This doesn't work or I'm not in the right area. When I ask them, what have you really done? It ties in exactly what you opened the show with. Yep. You have to implement. Without implementation, you have absolutely nothing. You just have maybe interesting information. And, and But that doesn't amount to anything. And so when I ask people, what have you actually done? And I push them to tell me. They mm-hmm. have very little to say. And it, that's the problem, is they haven't done enough. You, you've got to actually do something and do a lot of it. And then persevere and have some grit to get through the difficult times. Yeah, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head um, right there. Tom, and that's one of the things that we hear and we see a lot too is everybody, they want the massive success, but they're not willing to go through the trials and the tribulations to get there. You know, it's start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And you can never finish a race if you're always starting and stopping and pivoting and going first, hey, I want to be a wholesaler. Now I'm looking at apartment complexes. Oh, now I want to do short-term rentals. So you get a lot of that in the industry. 
Well, it's funny you phrase it that way as well, when you start rattling off a list of exit strategies. Yeah. So I think people are wrongly obsessed with exit strategy. I'm a wholesaler. I'm a multi-unit investor. I'm a rehabber. I'm a whatever. Those are exit strategies, kids. It, mm-hmm. they, they all share something in common. You don't have a wholesaling business or rehabbing business or commercial business or whatever until you get your marketing right and get people contacting you, but people being motivated sellers. And until you learn how to take that lukewarm motivated seller that does respond and negotiate it into being a great deal. So then you get to choose exit strategy. So this odd obsession with exit strategy at the beginning, I think holds people back because they're learning about the later parts of a deal rather than what matters right now. That's finding the deal and making the deal. That's marketing and negotiation. Wow. And that's great that you put it that way. I never even thought about it like that. People are defining themselves by the exit strategy that they have. But as a real estate investor, a lot of times you use multiple exit strategies when you're doing a deal. So you may run the numbers on a deal as, hey, you know what? I want to hold this property or I want to do a fix and flip on this property. And you run the numbers and you're like, you know what? That just don't work. Then, hey, you know what? Let me hold it for long-term rental. Well, the numbers don't work there. Well, maybe they'll work as a short-term or mid-term rental. So, man, you you, you really, you just gave me an epiphany that people <laughs> are focused on the exit strategy versus just being a real estate investor, getting a deal, and then figure out what to do with the deal afterwards. Yep. Nothing else. Well, you'll never get a chance to do any exit strategy if, if you don't get the entrance strategy. Yeah. Right? There's exits. <laughs> there's got to be an entrance if you're going to exit. So find the darn thing, negotiate it right, turn it into something that can open up multiple exit strategies, but you got to focus on first principles first. True, true. So let's talk about that. What do you think is the first principle for someone that's looking to find a deal? Go look for one. Go go fish in the right areas, which means go find where motivated sellers are. I bet if we sit here, Marcus, you and I probably in the next 30 seconds, could rattle off at least a dozen different types of motivating factors. No. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll say one, then you say one. Okay. Uh, pre-foreclosure. Foreclosure. Out-of-state landlords. In-state landlords. Inherited properties from a death, probate. Evictions. Evictions. Code violations, like tenants doing drugs in a property. There you go. Okay, let me think of one. Let me think of one. Uh, utility, utility shutoffs. Shut Behind on utility shutoffs. Yeah. So you could follow around people that shut things down. Divorce. Oh, you stole mine. I was going to take that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, all right. Look. It, so we, we've mm-hmm. uh, that's got to be at least a half dozen eight, right? And, we, we yep. and so we, we know these, and, and maybe everyone goes, "Well, there's nothing new there, guys." Okay. It doesn't have to be new. What are you doing about those? Are you reaching out to those types of people? Are you finding the lists of these people? Because most of those things are a matter of public record. Divorce Mm -hmm. is public record. Entire landlords, if it's from eviction, is public record. Out-of-state absentee owners is public record. All these things Mm -hmm. are, are public record. Go develop a list from that public record. Or just go drive around and look for rundown dilapidated properties that look like there might be something wrong there and contact the owners. So let's do some marketing first and foremost. Based on that, you can be out there immediately right now. I mean, like as soon as you're done listening to this, you can go find some motivated sellers and start to talk to them. Okay. So you guys hear what Tom is saying, marketing first, right? You have to identify what you're marketing for. So 
what kind of what kind of seller are you looking for? Is it those triggers that we mentioned, or is it let's go just broad spectrum and say property owners that own a property for over seven years that have fifty percent equity or greater? You could start there, and then some of those other metrics or some of those other motivating factors may be within that box. So you want to start with the marketing and identifying who you're marketing to. Absolutely. So take those criteria you just talked about, which means they should be able to be flexible and then add in one of the motivating factors that we talked about. Now they have a reason. And Marcus, here's the big thing that I'm after reason wise. And when we take this reason and put it in our marketing, the types of people it produces makes it easier for us to negotiate with them because they're already they're already teed up for what we want. And, and that means that something in that motivating reason, or one of those half dozen things we just rattled off, something about that means that they need to sell the property even more than they want to sell it. They need to sell it more than they want to because there's a, they, they want to solve their problem, get rid of that pain. That's what we're after. That's when we're going to find great deals. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we always tell people Tom, and I I'm, I'm, I'm know that you share the same sentiments is you want to be able to find those problems. What are the problems that are out there and how can we solve those problems for the seller? Because he who can solve the most and the biggest problems make the most and get the biggest check, right? Because um, people are looking for that service-minded individual that can say, all right, I'm not focused on a dollar right now, but let's see what problem you have. Let's identify it. Let's kind of walk you through it. And then that check is going to come at the end. So guys, you got to look for problems. One of the things, Tom, my attorney always says is, hey, Marcus, because I always bring him all of these deals with all of this hair on it and everything like that. He said, hey, Marcus, if the property didn't have all of this hair on it. Somebody would have already done it. And then I say, you know what, Peter, you're absolutely right. Okay, let's get to the closing table with this. <laughs> so yeah, that that's the key. And, and when you look for those people that need to sell more than they want to sell, the, the major thing where that, that what makes the negotiation easier is that because of that problem, solving the problem is their number one issue, not price is not their number one issue which means we can create a win-win negotiation. We can solve their problem, which means they won. We can get our price, which means we won because we're not fighting about the same thing. If we're both arguing about price, they're the kind of person that needs top dollar and they have all the time in the world. Well, I need bottom dollar. I'm an investor. We're going to fight on price. There's going to be a winner or a loser, or we're just going to walk away. But when mm-hmm. I can solve their problem and make them win, get my price and, and I win, now we have a true win-win in the negotiation. True, true. And one of the things that you all have to understand is when you have true a true motivated seller, like Tom said, price is not the issue. It's that problem. If you do your due diligence and dig in and ask the open-ended questions and find out what that problem is and focus on that, you'll definitely be able to get that deal. Okay, Tom. So we talked about marketing. Where are some of the places that we can find these motivated sellers? What are some of the tools or resources that you use or that people use in general to find people with these problems? Yeah. Well, you think about where do people with those kinds of problems go or have to go? So I mentioned doing courthouse research because Mm -hmm. if somebody's a tired landlord and they evict a tenant, there's a record of that landlord tenant court. You have the right to look that stuff up. There's a Freedom of Information Act. It's a matter of public record. 
If somebody owns a property but doesn't live in it, that's a matter of public record because the tax bill is being sent somewhere different than the property address. Yep. Uh, well, you know, divorce is filed with with the, with the county. Uh, a, a probate is filed with the county. So there's all these different public filings that occur, and you can pull that information. Or I like to just go driving for deals. There's a specific app I use to help me with that because it makes it a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can basically walk out of your house right now, get in the car, you don't even have to get in the car, you can get on your bicycle and go for a walk. But I get in the car, go drive around the neighborhood and look for properties that are showing some signs of distress. And, it, and it's as simple as that, guys. So don't, I know a lot of people pitch all of these different products and everything like that, which we use some of them, they're excellent tools. But if you're starting out and you don't have the huge marketing budget, just open up your eyes. There's opportunities around you everywhere. If you're driving down the street and you see that house with the grass grown up and spider webs on an abandoned car in the, in the driveway, there's something going on and you just have to open up your eyes and be able to find that information. And then you can do something as simple and I'll let you touch on this, Tom, skip trace, skip trace the address. Skip trace the address. That way you, you can... You can find more information than is publicly available. That kind of thing works. And, and look, Marcus, one of the most basic is tell people what you do. Yes. You what you do and ask for it. I, I went to one of my students that asked me to come up and see some of his properties and he wanted to go over his business structures. And so we go for lunch, you know, and he was really, you know, real high roller that day. He took me to Denny's. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. uh, all right. So I'm being, we, we come up to, to get seated. I'm walking down with the with the hostess to sit down at the table, and he's not there. I'm like, well, where'd he go? He's still back at the hostess stand talking to the other hostess. I'm thinking, oh, that's interesting. So I'm sitting there. I haven't even ordered my moons over my hammy yet. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he comes back, and he goes, oh, it's interesting. That other hostess is just getting divorced. They both can't afford the house, and she says she needs help selling it. Yeah. I thought, well, now, isn't that interesting? How many people just walk into a restaurant and sit down? But he goes the extra step and says, hey, I'm a real estate investor. Do you know anyone? Or is there anything I could do? And she yep. said, well, I'm actually in trouble and I have a problem. So sometimes I wonder how many people just let life go by when they let the deals slip away because they're too shy to just tell people what you do and ask. That's the key thing right there, Tom, is you have to shout your job and your role from the mountaintop, right? You got to tell everybody. I mean, that's one of the things that my wife tell me. She's like, you just talk to everybody. I'm like, yeah. And a lot of times me talking to these people end up producing opportunities and producing deals. Yeah, it may not be right away, but it may be six months down the line, a year down the line. And some sometimes nothing ever comes from it. But like you said, it's just putting yourself out there and letting people know exactly what you do. So guys, there, there's no cost to that, right? Exactly. You, just, yeah, you telling people what you do, there's absolutely no cost to that. Yeah, that's a zero dollar marketing. Okay, so Tom, one of the biggest fears that everybody have, right? And I'm sure you hear this all the time is, I don't know what to say to the seller. I'm scared to talk to the seller because I don't know what to say. How do you overcome that? Yeah. Well, what I have my students do is I have a deal worksheet. It, it, it's not a script because I, I can't stand scripts. You, you ever read a script or have someone read a script to you? You feel like you're trapped in the script. <laughs> yeah. There's no flexibility. I, I build out mine as a, as a framework. So I'm, I'm defining what the parameters are, but now we can freestyle within the framework as the natural conversation goes. So what I tell my students is don't get nervous. 
just ask a question that hasn't been answered yet. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Take all that pressure off of you. You're not following a script. Just start getting a conversation going. And if you're nervous about that, then let's practice at the beginning. Yep. Just call some people with no expectation that it's going to go anywhere. And I'll tell yeah. you, just places like Craigslist are perfect for that. It, somebody's advertising a property and they're usually out of their mind. It barely has a snowball's chance and you know where. Yeah. Call them for the practice and start having conversations and just learn to talk to people. So why are you selling? Well, tell yep. me about the property. How many bedrooms and bathrooms? Ask the softball questions to just get just kind of get the conversation moving increase the skids of the conversation a little bit and then you'll learn to just keep following up and marcus it's just a matter of practice it's like anything yeah. else you're going to get better at a sport when you practice you're going to get better at driving when you practice and you're going to get better at talking to people when you actually practice it yep so guys tom just gave you a, a great takeaway right so Go to for sale by owner, go to Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. If you see somebody advertising a property, just pick up the phone and call and just have a conversation. They don't know you. You don't know them. It's not like they're going to come to your house and find you or anything like that. Get the marbles out of your mouth, as my partner would say. <laughs> have those conversations and just talk and just be naturally inquisitive. Hi, I'm Marcus. Your name is. I notice you own a house at 123 Main Street. Are you interested in selling? If so, oh, why? Why? Just keep asking why. And then just you will naturally have that conversation. So you being afraid to make calls is not an excuse. Right, Tom? It's not a permanent excuse. It's the reason you're afraid to get moving, but you can get over it. But just kind of suck it up one day, make the call, and then look in the mirror afterwards and go, oh, hey, I'm still alive and I'm still breathing. <laughs> okay, yeah. that wasn't that bad. Or even if they hung up on you or cussed you out or called you a name, look at them. You're still alive. You're still breathing. It's okay. Somebody you never met and never are going to talk again just called you a bad name. Whoopie ding. Who cares? Carry on. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So, guys, we talked about marketing. We talked about talking with sellers. When we come back, what I want to talk with you, Tom, is just some key points on negotiation. So, let's take a brief break, hear a word from my sponsors, and then we'll just kind of gloss over um, negotiations. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100% coverage across the U.S. PropString provides a deep dive into any property-specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to crowd.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20, or even $30,000 courses. Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence? 
I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get the contract from. I don't know how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner Mike are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. All right, guys, we are back with the infamous Tom Zeeb, who, who hails out of Florida. He's doing deals across the country, and he's an educator and an implementer because he not only educates, but he does deals, right? So, Tom, we talked about marketing. We talked about um, talking with sellers, having those conversations. Now, what about the negotiations? Because we don't like to strong arm people and try and force them into a number or anything like that. How do you have that conversation or frame that negotiation? Yeah. So the beginning parts of any negotiation is talking to the other person, is talking to the seller. That's the importance of what we talked about before the break of let's go through some questions, build some rapport, that back and forth builds it. Then I have to start to guide the conversation to put some pressure on their price and test what they say to try to get the price down, down, down. They're not going to go for less than what they can go for, but you want to make sure you get it down to the very least that they're willing to take. And there's a little bit of there's a little bit of an art to that, but it's actually more of a science. There's a lot of techniques you can do that you just spit the technique out and watch what happens. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Like anytime anybody says a number to me, so I ask them, "How much are you asking for the property?" No matter what they say, whether it's spot on, too low, too high, who cares? Whatever it is, I act like I was attacked by that number. So, Marcus, say it. Say, it. how much are you asking for the property, Marcus? Three hundred fifty thousand, Tom. Three hundred fifty thousand. Yikes. Yeah. Now, how do you feel? Wow, I'm asking too high. You're asking too high. I don't know. We don't even know what property we're talking about, right? We're making yep. this up. And yet, yep. all I did was flinch at your number, and you're uncomfortable with your own number, and you feel like it's too high. Mm-hmm. That's a super predictable thought that comes once that, that comes in everybody's mind when somebody flinches at them. So the first thing I do in negotiation is flinch at them. And it it it's, it sets the mood and it, it it starts already putting downward pressure on the price. Yeah. One of the things that I do, Tom, is when I'm talking to sellers, I same thing, flinch, and I'm like, oh wow, okay. Hmm, man. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And and it does the same thing, right? It you, what you're doing is you're putting doubt in that seller's mind because they don't know. They're not industry experts. They don't know how much the property is worth. They're not appraisers, so they don't know. Only thing they're going by is, hey, Susan's house around the corner sold six months ago for three fifty. So I think I can get that. Yep. And when you ask more questions, Susan's house around the corner is seven times the size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is brand new and there's 50 years old. Then you go, okay, we're not really comparing apples to apples here, are we? So you, know, you can keep driving for that. But yeah, you're, the, the way you handle it, the kind of the little hemming and hawing, a little unsure, mm-hmm. it's a form of flinching. It's, this, yep. it's the same concept, right? Same science of negotiation. The artistry on it is a little bit different. The thing is, it still works because the science behind it is solid. Yep. You got it. You got it. 
So, all right, Tom. So marketing negotiations, what's next? Going into the process, what's next? So now I'm like, all right, how do I truly know that what number to offer the seller, right? That's one of the things that's so um, ambiguous, right? Because you can call three appraisers out to one property and they can give you three different values. Yeah. So how do I, as a new investor, come up with that right after repair value? Yeah. Now, look, in a, I, I, I'll try to keep this as simple in a nutshell for listeners as possible. The 80% of the value of a property is quite simply where it's located. Mm-hmm. So that means the neighborhood or the subdivision. And I mean, really tight in the, like that neighborhood, that subdivision. Don't go a mile away. Don't go a half mile away because it, it's it's a different place. And neighborhoods and subdivisions have names. So when you, you look it up in the tax record, you'll see the name of that neighborhood or that subdivision only compared against other properties in that same area. That's the first part. It's probably 80%. Okay. Then look for the size of the property. So the number of bedrooms and baths, roughly the same square footage of the property. There's a size element. And then there's the recency of the sales. Um, are they hopefully in the last three to six months, maybe mm-hmm. six to nine, nine to 12? I start to get a little nervous, particularly yeah. with as much as the market is fluctuated. But if you get the combination of those three elements, right, location, size, and recency, you'll get a really good fix on what is a property going for right now in that area. And that's your comp. There you go. And guys, you don't have to be perfect, right? You're not going to say the property is worth 389 cents. You just have to be within that ballpark, give or take $10,000, somewhere around there, right? Because when your buyers come in and take a look at the property, they're going to have their own value. They're going to try and do the same thing to you that you just did to the seller, right? (laughs) They got you give a number, uh, I don't know. And then they're going to ask you, well, how did you come up with this number? So you really have to be educated, like Tom said, on that market, on that location, on that property and what the properties around there are selling for. So good, good stuff, Tom. Good stuff. So next. All right. So we found the property. Well, we found the seller. We found the property. We walked the property, everything like that. Now, how do you deal with finding that end buyer, right? Let's just say if you're not going to take it down, you're not going to do the fix and flip. You're just going to try and pass it on to somebody else as a wholesale yep. deal. How, what, where do you go to find hungry, thirsty, motivated buyers, especially yep. in this market? Yeah. Well, now 80% of the time for me personally, I'm wholesaling it on. I, I don't, I, I do some rehabs and I do some buy and holds. I love the speed of wholesaling. So when I want to move the property on, negotiations gone successful. They said, yes, I put it under contract. Now I'm marketing it out to my buyer's list. So during the time that I'm marketing to find motivated sellers and dealing with the other aspects of the business, I'm also consciously building a buyer's list of other investors that want to buy properties, other investors that want to rehab them or buy and hold them as rentals. Uh, And they are looking for the same kinds of properties I am. But there's a difference. A rehab, it takes your eye off the ball. You're you're focused on the rehabbing because you got to swing the hammers, manage the crews, et cetera. If you're a buy and hold investor, you you get wrapped up dealing with the tenants and the toilets and all the other issues, you stop marketing. Mm -hmm. So where the wholesaler comes into play is, since I focus primarily on marketing and negotiation, 
that's what these other uh, types of investors fall down on. So I'm able to serve them a deal on a silver platter. So they're ready to buy because I'm serving it to them at the numbers they want to buy at anyway. And then I have it even better than that. And that's my wholesale fee. There you go. So guys, Tom just walked through the whole process, right? <laughs> from nuts to bolts from the beginning all the way to the end. Once you have that end buyer, right? You're sending everything over to the title company or to the attorney. They're taking care of it from there. So Tom, answer this for me. So yeah. if you were in, kind of go over either your first deal or your latest deal, kind of any kind of hiccups that you faced in the transaction, because every deal is different, right? Every deal don't go as smooth as we would want it to happen, right? Because we're, we're working with, Harry products, Harry deals. So kind of go over like one of the deals that you've done that you just was like, wow, this was amazing. Yeah. Let me think. Out of the hundreds that you've done. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of one. That's a good, that's a good story. For I, I've got a good idea. It's the importance of negotiating, not just for the sake of negotiating, but because the process of negotiating with someone actually locks them into you. If you okay. don't negotiate, if you give somebody what they want right out of the gate, there's no security in that deal. They'll walk mm -hmm. away. You got to make them fight for it a little bit. So I had a fellow who responded to one of my marketing pieces, one of my postcards that went out. Mm -hmm. And my call service missed the call and it went to voicemail. All right, fine. He left his name and the address of the property. So before I called back, I was able to look up the property, see what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. run some light comps on it, figure out what I think the thing is worth. So I figured it was worth about 350 to 360,000 bucks. Okay. Right. So I, I get on the phone with the guy. I've got my deal worksheet printed out. I start asking the basic questions, getting the conversation going. And I got to the point where I asked him, I said, sir, how much are you asking for this property? And he said, $80,000. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember, ding, it's ding, 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 360. Ding. Yeah. Yeah. Do I need to do anything? No, it's a no. deal as it no. is, right? It's, okay, great. Except that, no, I absolutely still needed to negotiate it because if I don't make him fight for his price, that deal is not secure. If I don't make him fight for his price and if I don't make him bring me up to quote unquote his price, there's a huge chance that deal will go awry and I'll lose it. Wow. <laughs> so, I had yep. to come back and offer him something lower. Okay. Make him fight to bring me up. And so I used a couple of my different techniques. I used a very specific number. I, I, I didn't get absurd. I offered him 71,579. Okay. Let's, let's pause yeah. right there because <laughs> I thought that I was like one of the only ones that did that, right? <laughs> I always offer odd numbers. Yep. Not odd meaning is ending in a nine or a five or something like that, but something bizarre, right? Okay. Yeah. I could do $81,273. That's yep. the top, right? Because why do you do it? Let me ask you that, Tom. Well, because when I put that weird number out there, people stop and go, huh, he must be serious. Wow. That's yep. a really serious number. He must have scientifically calculated that. Yep. He must do some fancy math. You know how mm -hmm. fancy my math is, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> i'm lucky i could add two plus right. two addition and subtraction yeah i'd literally pull that number out of thin air or, or maybe somewhere else but uh that's it you spit out a specific number because it's a great negotiation technique yep yep, yep. that's and that's the same reason why i do it because 
psychologically right. It tells the seller, wow, they must have really dug into this deal and really came up with that number because it's just not a round number. And it's been opportunities where I've closed deals just because that number was odd. Yes. You know, and they say, <laughs> wow, okay, $213,759. And I say, yeah, that's talking with my partner. That's pretty much it. I know we can get it done for that number. And they sit there and they think about it. Well, can you do 285? I'm sorry. That's the number that we came up with. And we spent a lot of time coming up with that number. We looked at this, we looked at that, we evaluated this. That's the reason why a number is not just this random round number, because we really took time to think about it. And lo and behold, it always works, Tom. So man, we're on we're on the same page. Absolutely. Look, it, it's a super simple technique. It costs you absolutely nothing to spit out uh, a hyper exact number rather than a, an evened out number. The even out number makes it sound like you're just spitballing the number mm -hmm. back and forth yeah. and, and you're not taken seriously. You get that hyper specific number, which again, it costs you nothing to do. Suddenly your, your offer has some gravitas. Yeah. Maybe just take it and you more seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Tom. So you gave us quite a bit, man. And I really appreciate it. I know the listeners definitely welcome this. You guys should have all of these notes down, taking down all of these notes. So Tom, wrapping up here, man, yeah. kind of give us what's one other takeaway, right? We got the round number. We talked about yeah. everything else. What's one other takeaway? Let's just say if you can go back 20 years to when you started, right? Back to 2001 or whatever. 2001. Yep. What do you wish you knew then that you now? That the only thing that matters is getting deals and making deals. Yep. Uh, I would have spent more time focused on that. Well, it kind of just what we talked about, right? How to talk to people and getting that negotiation process moving because it, it changes everything. It takes something that could have been lukewarm. In fact, I, here's a good example. Let, let me close the loop on that story. And then it'll, okay. it'll make sense. When I made that odd offer to the guy, we settled at 75,000. So I've gotten him five grand down from what he was asking. I didn't need it, but I, I didn't need the five grand, but I needed it. So he was locked in. So I said, all right, you know, I'm going to send you the contract. I'm going to have you notarized, et cetera. Well, he calls me the next day. He says, hey, somebody else I called just got back to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that right? And he said, they're willing to give me the full 80 yikes you think <laughs> right right <laughs> and I, I said okay and what exactly are you asking me to do he goes well i i don't know what it, i like you better yeah i trust you more i'd rather do business with you but since they're one to do would you come back up to the full 80 and so reluctantly i did i made him mm -hmm. fight for it but he got there but isn't that interesting someone else gave him exactly what he wanted out of the gate but he yep. trusts me more. I'm playing a game with, right? I'm dancing and playing a game and spitting out negotiation techniques. And he likes me more, trusts me more. Yep. And he definitely wants to deal with me and not the person giving him exactly what he needs. So Marcus, if I could go back in time 20 plus years, I would be spitting a lot more negotiation game at people from the beginning. Because I'll tell you, the better and better I've got that and practice it and I see it, 
sometimes I cringe with regret. I realize all the things I did wrong 20 yeah. years ago. Those could have been deals too, but it was my fault. I wasn't strong enough with these people. I didn't play the game the right way. I did because I didn't know enough negotiation. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I, I love teaching it now. And I love getting other people excited by it because I'm, I watch the way my students get better at everything, not just business, but life too. They get better at it from understanding proper negotiation. True. So true. And negotiation guys don't have to be, you know, a winner and a loser, just like Tom said, there's give and take whenever you're negotiating. Sometimes you have to give up something to get something and that's okay. So Tom, man, I really appreciate you doing this because this is excellent. This is excellent. How can we, first of all, do you have anything? I know you talked about teaching, educating. What are you doing in that arena? Gotcha. Um, so my total traction program, which is part of traction real estate mentors, is great training to get people up and running. I, I work with people for a year and you get multiple, multiple contacts each month with me. So we're doing a Zoom training every month. We have a group Q&A call every month and everybody gets personal attention within that group setting. So it, it makes it so I don't have to charge an arm and a leg for it because my mission is to get people started just the same way I got started when I didn't have much and I didn't have a ton to invest. And so that, that's been a, a fantastic way to be focused for a year, get up and running and watch us change everything. There you go. Okay, so where can we go, Tom, to find you? How can we contact you if we're interested in being a part of your uh, traction program? Awesome. I would go to tractionrealestatementors.com. Okay. And then I would also check out tomzeeb.com. That's T-O-M-Z as in zebra, E-E-B as in boy.com. Uh, there's a whole podcast series there on negotiation. There's a lot of different gifts. And, and over at the tractionrealestatementors.com site as well, there's a ton of training videos on all different aspects. of A lot of the things that we touched on today, I'm able to go deeper because I have even more time on each and every subject. So I put that out there. If you enjoy it and you're interested in one of the programs, that's cool. There's there's ways to find out more. If not, that's cool too. You're going to learn a lot just from going there and, and watching. There you go. Thank you so much, Tom. You all know exactly what to do. Get out there and take the education that Tom is giving you, right? Implement it, take action and get going because it's not rocket science. It's not difficult, but it will take some consistency and a lot of effort, just like Tom said. So Tom, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here on the show. My pleasure, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash Maloney. Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com. 
also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.